Welcome everyone to the NFA Max Potential Habits Podcast. I'm Dr. Amanda Variantes, and I am very fortunate to be here today with my main mentor on my birthday. We're in Denver at the Ritz-Carlton, and we're in the hotel room, so there's, you know, it's not the ideal setup, but we wanted to bring you some value today. And what's really awesome about the episode is that Dr. John Demartini has been profoundly impactful in my life. When I met him, I was on food stamps. I was really struggling with self-doubt. I had a victim mindset where I was constantly thinking that I would never get ahead. I didn't know how I was going to get out of my issues. I came out of my 15-year marriage through having an affair. There was a lot of fallout. I was, had broken relationships, and I really was stuck. And through a whole bunch of twists and turns, I ended up running into John through another coaching program that I was taking and I went to his breakthrough experience and at the breakthrough experience I had such a life-altering (laughs) mind-blowing experience that I never looked back I've been to hundreds of hours of his coursework now I am a demartini facilitator a values orientation facilitator and I have the pleasure of working with him here today So we're going to talk to you about habits, values, and money, and I want to give you a brief introduction. This is Dr. John Demartini. He is a world-renowned human behavior specialist, educator, researcher, internationally published author, and business consultant. He offers more than 72 courses covering multiple aspects of human development and has spoken on stages in over 60 countries, helping people expand their awareness and potential. So welcome to the show today. Thank you, John. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I would like to start with you sharing your background. What brought you to this career, this this life expanding, globally, internationally impacting business? <laughs> um, I had learning problems as a child. Okay. I was told I would probably never read, write, communicate, never go very far in life, never amount to anything when I was about six, seven. I um, ended up dropping out of school. I was a street kid and liked surfing. And Texas wasn't the surf capital. So I moved to California when I was 14, hitchhiked there and to Mexico. And then I went to Hawaii when I was 15, 16. And was a big wave rider. I surfed in North Shore. And I nearly died when I was 17. And I met this amazing teacher in a kind of recovery experience. And one night, this one man, with his one message really got to me and really made me believe that maybe I could learn to read and write and speak properly. And that was the night where I saw a vision of what I wanted to do. It was very clear. And I wanted to be a teacher and travel the world. And that was not an easy journey starting. I had to learn how to read and I had to learn how to um, properly spell and all kinds of things. I had to go through a lot of uh, hurdles along the way, but I eventually started to excel at that and I ended up becoming um, voluminously a leader (laughs) and voluminously a speaker. And I, uh, you know, started speaking at age 18 Mm -hmm. and I started to um, reading at that time and it just kept growing. And I started teaching. I had my first student when I was 18 years old and it just kept growing first around the local area and then the community and the city and then the states and the nation and now 
I've been in 151 countries and I've done the breakthrough experience in my signature program in 63 or wow. four countries now, but I've spoken in many, many countries and I've been yeah. blessed to overcome those things that I was told I'd never be able to do. So if anybody's listening, if you've ever been told you may not be able to do something or you can't do it or somebody didn't believe in you or whatever, what matters is none of that. What matters is what you decide to do with your life. And that's what uh, happened to me. I got really focused and clear and I never gave up on it. I got this uh, relentless pursuit of what I do and I love doing it. And I, I, today I've just researched right quality. Which is so clear. So for those of you listening, um, you know, Dr. Martini has been, it. I've read, I have your entire product library. And so for me, it was, I love knowledge similarly. I had a big void on knowledge in my house. I grew up as a fundamentalist Christian and we had the Bible in the house and not much other reading materials. I watched a lot of TV. And so I always had a curious mind, but I didn't have an outlet for it in a lot of ways. And so then I, as I went to school, I started reading and learning as much as I could. And as I grew up, I ended up becoming a PhD, which I really realized after meeting you is, oh, I really wanted to fill that void because I felt stupid. And I felt like I wasn't, I didn't have the knowledge that I wanted. And so now my quest is very similar in that I, I devour everything I possibly can. And, um, you know, so for those of you listening, I just got back from a 10 day experience. Um, it's called the, it's called Imperience One. And we sit in a hotel seminar <laughs> room for a, almost 150 hours over the course of 10 days and go through 1100 pages of text on all of the ologies learning about the evolution of human consciousness uh, through the way that we've changed our conceptualizations of the cosmos religious religion philosophy um, on and on and on. So Dr. Martini is a polymath. So he synthesizes a lot of different ologies into looking at the patternicity and connections between them to understand human evolution and development to help other people expand their awareness and their potential. And for me, that's been such an inspiring path because I tend to be someone who looks at a lot of different studies and disciplines to try to piece together what helps people thrive. And so your work to me has been just so incredibly impactful and values to me is really, really critical in that path. So tell us a little bit about how values shape your, um, I would say for the listeners, this is a habits podcast. So how would you relate values to habits? Well, <clears throat> every human being has a set of priorities, a set of values, things that are most important to least important in life that they live their life by their perceptions, their decisions, and their actions are based on it. And because those control their life, really the hierarchy of one's values impacts their destiny, determines where they're, what they do in life. So identifying that and setting goals and attentions and tensions that are aligned with the top values, mm -hmm. particularly, because that's where you excel spontaneously, uh, increases the probability of you achieving what you say you want to do. You get to walk your talk. And whenever you're doing things that are lower on your values, you tend to need extrinsic motivation to get you to do it mm -hmm. instead of spontaneous inspiration. And you're less likely to achieve. And you're, you're questioning yourself and you doubt yourself. You become more of a follower as subordinating to other people than if you live by your highest values. That's why I've said for many years that if you don't fill your day with high priority actions that inspire you, your day fills up with low priority distractions that don't. And if you don't fill your day with challenges that inspire you, it fills up with challenges you don't. And the second you do set goals or intentions 
that are congruent with what you value most, you start to excel. And then what happens is because you're so inspired to do it and because you get results with it, you develop a habit of believing in the possibilities of what you're capable of doing and you expand. Your space and time horizons grow, your leadership and achievement grows, you activate the blood and glucose and oxygen in your executive center and you become more of an executive of life where you have self-governance, a clarity of vision, strategic planning and objectives, and you tend to have a mastery and you, you execute what you set, you set your mind to do. But if you set goals that are aligned with lower values, you tend to procrastinate, hesitate, frustrate, and you develop the habit of not walking your talk and limping your life. And those are the people that have habits that they want to break. And they eventually, because they're not fulfilling what's highest on their life, they end up um, going to immediate gratification to compensate for the unfulfillment and a lot of addictive behaviors and those types of habits start to emerge mm -hmm. instead of the habit of doing something extraordinary. Mm, I love this. Uh, so you would say that if you're noticing symptoms of being addicted to certain activities that you don't feel like are supporting you and getting where you want to go, it's a product, it's a byproduct and a feedback system for understanding that you're not on your highest path. Well, <clears throat> you have two opportunities or two, two possibilities. Some people who are not really truly clear about what they value most, many times subordinate to the influence of other people and think they know what they want. Mm -hmm. And then therefore they go and pursue what is not really highest on their value and not what they're really spontaneously inspired mm -hmm. to do. And they try to do it and they keep getting distracted by what is truly important to them. And they self-defeat because they're trying to live in other people's values. Uh, as Emerson said, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. And Einstein said, uh, my contempt for authority is what made me authority. He didn't subordinate to somebody. He thought original thinking. So when a person is, is not doing something that inspires them every day, it's either because they're trying to be somebody they're not, mm -hmm. or they just haven't learned to prioritize their life. And they're letting the world somehow on the outside. They're letting lower priority things run their life. If a person will stop and really get clear about what's really important to them, which determining what their values are and the hierarchy of their values is helpful to um, if they really do, and they really do fill their day with the highest priority actions, their self-image goes up and their self-worth goes up and their, their achievements go up. I mean, that day it starts. It's not like it's, it's going to take weeks or months to see the impact. You're going to see it that day. Yeah. Anybody who's done something, if they, if they have a really, truly prioritized, really important agenda that's really prioritized and they get it all done, they feel great at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If at the end of the day they didn't get everything that they wanted to get done that was really important to them, and they had got distracted by everybody else and tried to please everybody else and they lost themselves in the process, then they devalue themselves. And this is what a lot of people do. And whatever you make the habit of doing will determine a lot about where you go in life. Yeah, you know, I talk to people about we get stuck in autopilot habits and a lot of that is injected value systems where people will start to get on a trajectory that they then just do in an automatic way. So to shift it, you've got to be strategic and think about what is actually inspiring to you using your value system. As something I notice working with people is that they get really stuck with the injected part and thinking that that is their value system. How do you, how do you help people clearly see that they are not in alignment with their own, but with somebody else's value system? Well, when somebody is hearing in their head, I should be doing this, I ought to be doing this, I need to do this, I must do this, I gotta do this, I have to do this, I'm supposed to do this. Um, it's an extrinsic 
external voice talking to them. When they're doing something that's congruent, they go, I love it. This is what I, this is what I desire and love to do. And it's what I've been choosing to do and wanting to do all my life. So there's indicatives language, which is a sign of more congruent with highest values. And there's an imperative language, which is more likely to be outer influence. One's ontological, which is more in line with who you are as a being. And the other's deontological, where you are doing things by duty. And most people, um, I have to say, most people uh, are unaware of what their real intrinsic highest value is, and that they and they don't know, and so they're just fitting in, mm-hmm. and they're they're not standing out; they're fitting in. And subordinating to the world around you and living in the shadows of people is never the way to stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, you know, so it's really interesting because my PhD is in sociology. And in sociology, we talk about the greatest form of social control is to have, is to control people through the internalization of of norms. So it's thinking about, you know, when you grow up in a family, you've got a certain set of norms, then you have your religious foundation, there's a certain set of norms, and then people get attached to that and can't, and they have a hard time discovering what it truly drives them. And for all of you listening, I can definitely say so. I've gone through this values determination process, and I align my entire life and every day through the strategies I've learned from Dr. Martini, through getting up in the morning and saying, what are the highest priority action steps I can take today in in alignment with my highest values? And it makes it really easy to say no to opportunities that come up because I have people asking me all the time, hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? I'm like, I just really quickly check in with myself. Is this in alignment with my highest values? Is this going to take me where I want to go? Is this going to help me have a larger impact? And if it's a yes, I do it. If it's a no, it's an easy no. Where I used to run my life from this position of constantly feeling like I needed to please people, and I would say you didn't yes. Want to be rejected. Yeah. The, the, probably thousands of years ago, a human being, and probably still today, did not do well by themselves out in nature. Mm-hmm. So they gathered, and that was the development of sociology. And the more that they gathered, the more they had to fit in. They got kind of mm-hmm. trapped in the fitting in. Otherwise, being exiled from the group was death. Was death. Yeah. So there's a built-in uh, amygdala response to avoid things that could lead to death and to do things that lead to security. So most people are trapped in the herd mentality. Mm-hmm. And, and as Kohlberg says, uh, there's levels of moral development. There's avoiding pain and seeking pleasure, which is the most primitive one. And then they're avoiding punishment, seeking reward. And then there's subordination to mothers, fathers, preachers, teachers, individual authorities. Then there's subordination to collective authorities, which is your peer pressure at your school, your friends, or your community, or your city, or your religion. And most people are trapped at one level of the dynamic from mm-hmm. a small group to a cultural belief, a religion. I mean, I've seen people literally, I don't want to hear anything but what I've been told. Don't, don't, don't present the facts to me. Yeah, I, I just want to fit in and don't want to do it. Yeah, and then very few people, less than one percent of the population, make it to transcendence. But they transcend that and they create the new paradigms. And they're they're the unborrowed, you know, visionaries. Mm-hmm. And they're basically uh, willing to go out and do something and become the individual here and not be part of the collective here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this. And you know, that one percent, I feel like the key is value system. So it's going, okay, I, if I want to align with my highest values, if I really want to take it to those levels where I get to have my life shaped the way I want it, I think of values as having a magic wand. I tell people when I start values presentations, I'm like, okay, you want to have a magic wand to create your life and business exactly as you want it, align with your values. And people who have watched me change over the last couple of years are like, what are you doing? This is incredible. And it's all based on this value system that 
that Dr. Rick Martinez is talking about. So those of you listening, go to his website. He has the values determination process on his website. We'll, I'll give you the information in the show notes. And so another question I want to ask you, when people want to shift their value system, what would you help them do? Well, <clears throat> as a person goes through their, their life, every so often, I can't say there's a specific date, there's a shift that goes on. We have cataclysmic shifts from cataclysmic events, deaths in the family, all of a sudden our parents pass and we have to now go to work early, um, divorces. T.H. Holmes had a list of big stressors that many people face. And these can make significant shifts, drastic cataclysmic shifts in value systems. I knew a woman that uh, was in South Africa that had four children in the morning and was in a crash, a truck ran into them and all four of her children were killed. So she was a mother in the morning and no kids in the afternoon. That's a major shift. So a cataclysmic shift can occur. Or there's gradual tweakings. You, you learn, like in relationships, you uh, gradually develop a search image and an anti-search image that you accumulate through time about what you're looking for and not looking for in a relationship. So the gradual tweaking uh, things that occur. They can also change value. But ultimately what changes the value is the advantages over the disadvantages that we associate with things. So if we see, we, we make every decision based on what we think will give us the most advantage or disadvantage at that moment based on all the variables we can perceive. Mm -hmm. So if we stack up new advantages to something we would love to do and disadvantages of doing something we were doing, once the advantages override the disadvantages, uh, we start making changes in our perception. Sometimes it takes hundreds, not just five or 10, but mm -hmm. sometimes lots of advantages. But we're making decisions. Uh, I'll give an example. I was uh, invited to do a, a significant TV show in America. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was scheduled to do a, a program in London. Mm -hmm. And the, the TV program was Larry King Live. <clears throat> and I really wanted to do Larry King Live. Yeah, that makes sense. 99, <laughs> 99 million people versus uh, 200 people talk. Yeah. So I contacted the person that um, you know, was doing it for a promotion. I said, here's the deal. I'd rather not, I don't want to be disrespectful to you, but I've got an opportunity to do something that I think going to benefit both of us. If we postpone the talk, and when I did the show, could we then use that as a promotion and build a bigger mm -hmm. talk Yeah. and postpone it a bit? And if there's any loss of clients that come in there or loss of income for you having to change everything, whatever it is, we'll absorb it out of my fee. Mm -hmm. Out of fairness, that way we both win it. Mm -hmm. Because I really didn't want to uh, not take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. So we're constantly making decisions and juggling based on our perceptions and the ratios. And so we make decisions that way. So if we stack up the benefits or advantages, uh, I'll give, can I do another fun yeah, story? Yeah, I love it. So I'm in a, uh, doing the breakthrough experience in Sydney, Australia. And I get in there early. We started at 8 o'clock. I get in at 7.45. And there was a lady that had already snuck in. Most of the time, they're outside in the last minute we let them in. Mm -hmm. Lady had just uh, already snuck in, sitting in the front row. And she saw me come up and put my book down. And she said, Dr. Dumontier, I'm finally coming to the Breakthrough Experience. And I said, fantastic. And she said, I came here to find my soulmate. And I said, fantastic. And she said, uh, she says, yeah, I'm looking for my soulmate. And, I, and there was another gentleman that had snuck in. And he was eating some sort of breakfast snack or something. He was chomping, really grossly chomping down on it. And I knew it was not the image that she was looking for. But for fun, I just played a game on her. I said, what about this guy? And she turns over her shoulder and looks back at me. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not the guy. And I said, well, really? You don't, you don't think he's the guy? This, oh, Dr. DiMartini, that's not my type at all. And I said, I said, do you know who he is? And she said, no. 
I said, you don't recognize him? No, How, what should I know him? I said, I'm surprised you don't. Why? Well, he's one of the wealthiest billionaires in the world. <laughs> she goes, really? I said, yeah, he's one of the wealthiest billionaires. And we let him in early because he'd be noted, people would notice him out there. And he's dressed down and he's, he's looking, he's trying to be incognito. She goes, really? I said, yeah, he's, he has uh, homes around the world and he has yachts and he has planes <laughs> and, he has, and, he, and he hangs out with the celebrities and the prime ministers and the presidents. And I stacked up every fantasy that probably a woman would want in a man. You know, and he was married to a very famous uh, celebrity that, you know, the biggest regret she had is she couldn't get him back when she, because she wasn't prepared for his notoriety. And, yeah. and I just stacked these things up and went over and over and again. And when I was leaving, I, and I, I knew I was doing this for fun. So I said, I need to go put my mic on. And she said, why don't you gonna at least introduce me to her? <laughs> and, I, and that's because I had stacked up perceptions yeah. in her mind yeah. and painted a picture of the classical things that females typically want. And when I did, she all of a sudden said, it's not about how he looks, <laughs> it's the other factors too. <laughs> and she was now interested. Yeah. And I told her a few minutes later when I came back up, I said, I was just teasing. It's just a guy or you have to become the subject. Just, oh, you're naughty. <laughs> but I was trying to make a point that, that yeah. our perceptions and our associations to making things make us attract or repel mm -hmm. and can make our decisions. And if we believe that fitting in is going to give us more advantage than standing out, mm -hmm. we're going to try to fit in. Yeah. But if we really know that the only thing that really makes a difference in the world, we say we want to make a difference, but we don't make a difference fitting in. Mm -hmm. We make a difference standing out. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So practical application for those listening and you're going, okay, I want to change my value system. This would look like you sitting down and taking a piece of paper and writing down the benefits of doing this new activity and the drawbacks of not doing it. So how would it benefit you? Let's say you want to lose five pounds or 10 pounds or a hundred pounds and you want to get a list and write down every single benefit you can possibly think of to losing weight. And you want to think of the primary, the secondary and the tertiary benefits and stack as many as you can. Keep going until you even get to 250. And this might take you days to do, but keep adding to the list and you'll start to notice to shift shift in your behaviors. And because of I've learned this in the past from, from Dr. Martini, I use it with my clients, I've used it with myself, it works miracles. So this is a really incredible strategy. Say, there's something you might make when I want, and then this is probably gonna offend some people, but it's- Okay, uh, go for it. Um, this is the NFA No Fucking Around okay, good. <laughs> Coaching Podcast. I, I, um, <laughs> I have met and I got to work with people of all different types. And I'm not gonna say this about everyone, but because mm -hmm. some people do have biological and endocrinological uh, reasons for their weight. Okay, yeah. But many people have an unconscious motive to keep weight on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so unless you don't cover what the benefits to them of what the weight is first, mm -hmm. to know what their unconscious motives may be okay. to doing it, yeah, it may be wise to do that too. Yeah. Then once we do that, then come up with the benefits of the new viable alternative way of getting these benefits okay. and the drawbacks of the original activity. Okay. Because sometimes I, I give an example. I had a lady that I was doing a reality TV show mm -hmm. in, in Universal Studios. And there was a lady there that, was, that brought in enough food to feed the entire crew, the film crew, everybody mm -hmm. for about a week. Mm -hmm. And this lady went on to eat that most of herself. And she said, oh, you got to help me stop eating it. You got to help me, you got to help me, help me stop eating. I got to, you got to help me lose weight and everything else. And she was large. 
and I was watching this and I said, I know what I'm hearing. I hear people say things, mm -hmm. but I'm not interested in what they say, I'm interested in what they live. Because mm -hmm. their actions speak more loudly. And so I asked her a question. She said, so what is the benefit? I said, what is the benefit you're getting out of keeping weight on and eating? Mm -hmm. And she says, well, there isn't any. Look at me, as you're causing this, 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 I'm not interested in what you're saying. I'm interested in what you're doing. What is the benefit you're getting out of doing it? And I got her really grounded after avoiding it. And she spoke and she said, okay, I think there are some benefits. Everyone in my family is big. Mm. If I'm not big, I don't feel like I'm part of my family. Mm. And she got watery eyed. And I said, okay, good. What else? Another benefit you're getting. And I made her accountable. Mm -hmm. And she said, my sister used to push me around and always bullied me. Mm -hmm. And I made a commitment to myself. I would never let her push me around. And I make sure that no matter what her size is, I'm always bigger than her. And she looked at that and she got teary eyed again. And then we said, okay, let it keep going because there's way more than that driving this. And then she said, oh, and she got really teary eyed. And she said, I went on a really crash diet and I lost 45 pounds one time. And I started to have a bit of a shape, which is something I never had before. And a guy hit on me. And I've never been, never had anybody showing affection to me. And I really became vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this guy is the one because I had no record, no experience. Yeah. And I guess I got so infatuated with him and so infatuated with the fantasy that I was making in my mind, my dopamine and my serotonin were skyrocketing, that I made love with him literally the first time. And I never had that experience. And I thought this was the man of my dream. And then I never heard from him that day after. And she said, and that was just devastating. And then I found out about six and a half weeks later that I was pregnant. And I, being Catholic, the idea of having a child with somebody I don't want to even look at again, or having abortion, I felt like I was caught between a rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have either one. And she says, I had an abortion. And she said, and that's been the most devastating thing in my life. And I think inside she started bawling. And she says, I swore I would never get myself in that position again. Mm -hmm. And I never lost weight again. So I because sometimes people, and I'm not saying all, but sometimes there's unconscious motives. Mm -hmm. And unless we uncover what those unconscious motives are, we've got a lot of stacking to do. Yeah. And so what you're saying is accurate. The yeah. stacking does but add this but, but getting down into what really is the driving force of why the behavior is there first place. Because okay. that's they wouldn't do it if there weren't more advantage and discipline. Yeah, that's really finding easy. out what that is is a crucial component. Because once we uncover the uncovered unconscious motives, yeah. we can then on each one restack. Yeah, you know, I love this. And it's such a great lead into talking about money because I'm teaching a money course right now. And one of the things I have them do initially is write their money story and look at their blueprint. And it's looking at their unconscious drivers. So what they learned when they were a child in order to bring the unconscious conscious, because until you do that, you don't really have a lot of power to shift it. So it's a very similar idea. Money's and, no different. Yeah. It's, it's the same way because Anytime we're not fulfilling our life by living by our highest values, we try to fulfill it with other things. Mm -hmm. And the two most, cons most common ones is eating mm -hmm. and consumerism, which is consumption, same as eating. Yeah. So it's the same dopamine drive in the amygdala to do these things. Mm -hmm. And many times people live vicariously through other people's brands and pay ridiculously high dollar values mm -hmm. for other people's brands to feel important temporarily, transiently. And they need to do it again and again and get into an addiction, not just to food, but a consumption, yeah. which is like food. Yeah. And it's consuming other people's brands instead of actually doing what they love and building their own brand mm -hmm. that other people consume. 
Yeah, this is, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Such a wealth of knowledge. And yeah, I, I mean, I love that I've had this experience with you where I've gotten to massively transform my life because the things that I bring to the people I work with, I've always tested out on myself first. And, and it's that idea of being congruent and practicing what I preach and, and making sure that, oh yeah, this is a really legitimate, valid approach to changing your life because human behavior is so powerful. And what I've learned from you has been so transformative that I know that it works. So for those of you listening, try it out. Con look at the values determination process. Go to my website, contact me. I, I am also trained in the Demartini method and the values certification so that, or values orientation. So I can help you through these things. Next, I want to turn to talking about wealth because I really do attribute my shifts in my financial reality to finding this work. So um, going through the breakthrough experience, there's a values, uh, a smaller values process that we do at the beginning of the breakthrough experience. And in that, I realized that wealth building was nowhere on my values list. <laughs> Most people. Yeah. So I had this big, I mean, really, I, I would cry comparing myself to other people thinking like, I'm not worthy and they're just these magical fantasy rich people. How did they get there? I'm never going to be that way. So I really demonized them and was jealous, but simultaneously thinking that they were, I just had all these weird fantasies running. And when I realized, well, wealth building's not anywhere. I've never read a book about money. I started shifting my values and it worked. You know, now I have a six figure coaching business and I'm working my way, you know, big, huge visions of massively transforming the world. And I love helping people with money because it's so disempowering to feel poor. And it's a mindset and it's, and you can actually learn skills and shift. So tell the people listening what some steps they can take in terms of shifting toward wealth building. Well, <clears throat> I had the opportunity to uh, speak uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think this is a 187th presentation this year. Right? Nice. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're prolific. So I asked people by the thousands, how many of you would love to be financially independent? And 99 to 100% of the population put their hand up. Mm -hmm. And then I, and they're all giggling and laughing because it's like their fantasy. And then I said, okay, what percentage of the population actually obtain it? Yeah. And they go, they, I, I hear anywhere from one to 5%. And it's less than 1% actually. Wow. And that make truly financial independence. Mm -hmm. And so I said, it, it's amazing difference. Everybody here has a hand up but less than 1% actually do. So 99% of you, in all probability, when you're thinking of financial independence, you're thinking of the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Mm -hmm. You're thinking of spending money on things you want mm -hmm. instead of thinking about investing in asset mm -hmm. accumulating so it can actually work for you and you can become a master of money instead of a slave. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a shift for them because they realize, and then I have them write out, and they have one minute to write out if all of a sudden they received $10 million and I gave them a $10 million stack of money or a check or something, mm -hmm. a deposit in their account, mm -hmm. what would they do if they had $10 million? And they have one minute to write down the 10 things they would do with that $10 million. Oh, Quickly, what they would do. Oh, they're rushing in there. Oh, they're going, oh, they're going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything you write on the paper you have, you can have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I said, now, uh, everybody who writes down, add up what you just put your money into. Mm -hmm. And if it's a consumable that's depreciating, write down how much you have left. And the average person has less than 20% left. Wow. They bought things that were consumables that depreciated in value. Yeah. 
Yeah. And very few put them, their money into purely asset, asset appreciative capital building mm -hmm. investments. And when they look at that, they go, oh, because they immediately go, oh, I want that house, I want that car, I want that thing, I want that trip, I want that vacation, I want that this clothes. They want things. Yeah. And as long as they have a higher value on things, before they want the money to buy them those things, yeah. they're going to they're gonna have the same problem that most people have. And so their values, the hierarchy of one's values, the set of priorities they have in their values will dictate their financial destiny. Mm -hmm. And knowing what their values are is a step, first step. And if they find out they don't have it on there, they will know why they struggle financially. They'll know why they keep having more month at the end of the money than month at the end of the month, money mm -hmm. at the end of the month. And then they'll start to think, okay, they have to be make a decision. Yeah. <clears throat> if they don't know what their assets are, they don't know what their liabilities are. They don't know what their net worth is. They don't know where they're starting from. If they don't know what they want to live on per year passively, if they don't know what the investment average interest rate that they could earn from their investments, they don't know what the inflation rate is. They don't know what the amount of money that they need to give them the return and the amount of life that they want mm -hmm. economically with that inflation and interest rate. And they don't have, uh, they don't know what the shortfall of what they have to that. And they don't know what the strategy is to get it. They are really saying, I have no intention of being financial. Yeah. It's just a fantasy. It's a fantasy. Yeah. And fantasies lead to, what I call internal anger and aggression and they blame themselves and they feel betrayed and they criticize themselves, and feel challenged and they have the ABCDFG ages of night negativity. Mm -hmm. And so they think it's the world on the outside, but it has nothing to do with the world. Yeah. It has everything to do with how they perceive and what their values are because of perceptions, decisions, or actions to take their financial lesson. Yeah. So if we stack up the benefit of the actions that have proven in people's lives to that become wealthy, there are actions that they do that are distinct. Mm -hmm. There's actions of people that are put poor. Yeah. There's actions of people that get rich. Yeah. <clears throat> and if they stack up those actions and stack up the advantages of those actions over their current actions and make sure that there's more advantage and disadvantage until they can see a change in their behavior, their life can change financially. And yeah. I've done it and I've watched it happen. I've oh, been, yeah. I've been, yeah. I mean, there's thousands I, I, of people. I'm living proof. <laughs> there's thousands of people that yes. have changed it. They're like, yeah, the and, life and goes quickly, on. too. Oh, quickly. it changes. I saw a gentleman right here in, in Denver, Colorado, a number of years ago, mm -hmm. who uh, he came to an evening talk I did. And he was a lovely man, and uh, he was a doctor, actually. And his wife came up to me afterwards and said, you do consulting? And I said, yes. And so they decided they wanted to do a consult, and she was the one insisting. And so the following day, they came to the hotel room, and they, they, we did a consult. And she says, I'm just going to be really blunt, right to the point. I'm going to leave my husband if he doesn't get his, his stuff together. Mm -hmm. I says, I'm tired. I've given 10 years of my life. We've got two kids. Um, and I did expect a better lifestyle than this. And I, I had a hidden agenda. I thought he's a doctor. I would do better. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I still want that. And I know I deserve that. And I can get that. Mm -hmm. So I, I want my husband to step up mm -hmm. or I'm going to move on. And I thought you might be able to help us with this. So she was really blunt. And he's sitting there kind of going, Oh, uh -oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the, the, the plank right now. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's, let's find out because when you, next time when you get married, man, if you do divorce him, uh, make sure you know the values of the person you're getting to know because yeah. a hierarchy of one's value dictate their destiny and who they are revolves around what they value most. Yeah. And you can see it because it shows up in what they're doing. It shows up in their life. Yeah. So if you don't know what that is and you're, you put an unrealistic expectation, that's your own trap you put yourself into. Yeah. 
So she had to own that. But I said, so let's find out what those values are. And I took 30 minutes to, to go through the value determination that I have mm-hmm. that you can do online. And I, I promise you it's worth the time. Yes, absolutely. And um, we found out that his highest value was spirituality. His second highest mm-hmm. value was healing. And the third was learning about esoteric philosophies relating to healing mm-hmm. and spirituality. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. Business wasn't on there until yeah. he was floundering in business. Finances weren't on there. Yeah. He was floundering there. Family was around number three mm-hmm. after that. So four maybe. Yeah. And um, so it was so low in his values, it wasn't happening. So anytime he got any money, he was buying books or going to seminars or yeah. doing healing te- yeah. technique classes. And his wife was just getting more and more enraged because she was expecting him to live in her values. Yeah. And he was probably assuming that his values were fine. Yeah. So I said, okay, you got, a, you got an option here. You could unload this, this wife and kids and go and be a monk and be a spiritual person and do healing and, and simplify your life. Or you can, because that's you're obviously not valuing them as much as this. Yeah. Or you can make a shift in your values today. What would you prefer? Yeah. I said, because I'm not attached. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you want to move on, <laughs> break up and give her the freedom to go find a rich husband yeah. and, and do that. She deserves what she wants. You deserve what you want. You have a difference in values. We haven't linked the values, which need to be done. Um, so what do you want? And he said, I don't want to, I don't want to break up my family. And I said, are you willing to make a shift in your values? And he goes, yes. So she's like, oh, thank you. Cause she didn't want to divorce him. Yeah. She didn't want to do that because yeah. she's got beautiful kids and that, yeah. it's not really what she wanted, but she was just frustrated. Yeah. So I sat down and found out what his values were, as I said, and then I asked him questions. How is developing a business and serving greater numbers of people? and making an income can help you in your spiritual quest. And at first he couldn't see it. He said, well, that's not it. Because he had programmed so himself yeah. by some of his spiritual thinkings that money and spiritual don't match, yep. which is absolutely crazy. And um, because if you're really serving people, you're having fair exchange mm-hmm. and you're in economic equilibrium, mm-hmm. equity. So I said, and it stacked up the benefits. I said, if all of a sudden you did grew your business and you did have an income, could you not only provide more for your wife and set aside more for more advanced, we could have people coming in who are your mentors and actually have them to your location and actually do spiritual programs right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And you could also uh, see more people and practice your skills and master the healing techniques more. Mm-hmm. And I started stacking up and I spent three hours with them. And uh, it was a costly for them. Yeah. I, I'm not cheap. And uh, in the process of doing that, he was $30,000 in debt after 10 years of being in practice. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that was his own debt. Then he had the house that he hadn't paid off. It was, and, and, and after 10 years, most of that goes to, not to the, you know, the principal, yeah. it goes to the, to yeah. the, so the front-loaded yeah. amount you paid to the bank. So uh, the premium, so not the premium, but the, the interest. So he was sitting there and we stacked up and stacked up and stacked up and she's getting inspired and taking notes and he's starting to get inspired to get right that down. Make sure we got that. And he could see for the first time in his life, how building his business and how building wealth was actually going to help him become a greater spiritual human. Mm-hmm. He never saw it. Mm-hmm. And once we stacked that up and stacked it up and how is being poor and not being able to do it and losing your wife, how's that not being spiritual and how's that interfering with the healing mm-hmm. is there's what makes me sick. It makes me stressed. Yeah. And I said, well, then you're not exemplifying it. And I, and I sat for those three hours and I, I know I did a great job and I linked it. And, um, 
in three months, he was out of $30,000 worth of debt in three months. His practice grew. His wife, uh, I talked to her about being patient and not immediately going buying a house because if you buy a house, you're burdening him and you're not buying assets. You're raising livestock. And mm -hmm. I explained to her about raising livestock versus raising assets. Mm -hmm. She just wanted livestock. Yeah. So that's interfering with it. You're, you, you would actually do the very opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. And I had to educate her and calm down some of the immediate gratification. I said, I want you to do is start developing a plan of the house you want. And we want to make sure that we have a certain amount of debt removed, a certain amount of savings in place to stabilize this business and set aside money for the house. And you're designing the house and buy a house. And we're going to wait until the economics of the real estate market is at a bottom. It's at the peak right now. It's, it's a stupid purchase. And to actually buy at the bottom. And it took them two years of patience. And this is at the last cycle, mm -hmm. 2009. Mm -hmm. And uh, they did. He saved money. They had enough money to put money in the deposit. They weren't going to buy the house until they had the deposit in place. They had savings to stabilize the business and savings on the side for a cushion. Mm -hmm. And he built his business and she got to build the house that she wanted. But it was patient mm -hmm. and it was education and it was a shift in values. Mm -hmm. She got to shift hers down for immediate gratification and put a realistic expectation. I didn't get to do it right there on the spot, but I encouraged them to link values to see how each other's values help each other, mm -hmm. which is essential for relationships. Yeah. But values are crucial for that. Yeah, wow. I love this story. And, and I, I, I see it working in my life in such huge ways. You know, it was shifting those values. Now I ask myself all the time when I'm taking on new projects, how can I do what I love and get paid handsomely to do it? Like, exactly. That's the key question. And then I go, oh, yes, this works and this doesn't. And it just helps me align so clearly with building my long-term Most network. people are thinking, how, do I, how can I afford to go on a vacation? Yeah. Instead yeah. of asking, how can I get handsomely paid to go on vacation? Yeah. Yeah, I love that I learned I that. I learned that a long time ago, and I <laughs> yeah. travel the world. It's my amazing. life's a vacation. Yeah, yeah. Because the quality of your life is basically quality questions. Yeah. And if you ask amazing questions, you get ready to have an amazing life. Yeah. And we deserve to have that. Yes. I think absolutely. life is a pretty amazing thing. Yeah. So it's there is a value of educating yourself. So what's what's interesting to people is you know I've been teaching for over forty six years, and I the people who need it the most do it the least, and the people that need it the Mm -hmm. At least do it the most. Mm -hmm. It's been a pretty consistent. Yeah, thing. and the very people that learn to 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 learn with foresight, standing on the shoulders of giants, not living in the shadows of people, and learning not through trial and error, but through learning from people who can mentor them along the way. They just say some hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah, and, and they can save themselves enormous banging ahead heads against the wall. Yeah, oh, this is great. And you know, I can sit and listen to you for hours and hours because I have done it multiple times. So I, I want to be uh, thoughtful of people's time. I want to ask you what top three habits, and I can probably guess what you would say, but I want listeners to know what are the, I ask everybody who comes on the show because it's the podcast is called Max Potential Habits. And I like to give people takeaways for what they, what's had helped you be successful. So if you had to say what your top three habits are that have gotten you where you are today, what would you say that they are? Well, for me, because I, my priorities are, you know, teaching, mm -hmm. uh, traveling and researching and learning, mm -hmm. sharing, mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, giving myself permission to go after what I really, really wanted mm. and not allowing myself, no, no. not allowing myself the people on the outside to dictate what that is mm -hmm. and not stopping in the pursuit of finding a strategy to get there mm -hmm. and then documenting what worked and what didn't work each day. 
because I'm a, I'm a detail, I guess you say metric person. Yeah. So uh, if I say I want to do something, reach billions of people, whatever, I, I metric what I do, mm-hmm. everything I do. Yeah. So that way I, I do it. So I, I say there's seven things actually, there's seven questions okay. I mentioned in the writers. Yeah. What is it I'd absolutely love to do in life? Okay. How do I get handsomely and beautifully paid to do it? What are the highest priority action steps I can do right now that will move me one step closer towards that or the highest priority action steps that will give me that? What obstacles might I run into, people or events or situations that I need to solve in advance? I want to solve them in advance, prevent them. Mm-hmm. Or if, I'm, if they do happen, what do I do? Mm-hmm. How do I use them to my advantage? Uh, then what worked today? What didn't work today? How do I do it more effectively and efficiently tomorrow? And how did no matter what happened today, no matter what happened, how is it helping, still helping me get what I want? Those are very seven really powerful, powerful questions yeah. that can make a difference in a person's life if they, if they stick with those on a day the best. Mm-hmm. Type them up, put them on a mirror, put them in your bathroom so you have to look at them when you're, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and run through those until they become part of your nature. Incredible. Ah, thank you. This has been such a joy. You know, it's funny because my high value, one of my highest values is learning. And I, um, you know, it's my birthday today. And I'm like, I woke up this morning, I'm like, this is, there really couldn't be a better way than to spend the day with, I mean, really, I, it's making my eyes fill up with tears. You are really, have been an incredible mentor in my life. And I, they, I thank you so much. So no, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for, for meeting with me today. Thank you for, for I'm going to, I'm going to say something to the, yeah, um, yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, whoever is listening and observing, um, you want to give yourself permission to do something extraordinary in the world. The true you is extraordinary. And I don't know what that is, but you do. I've met people of all walks of life. I've met people that want to raise a magnificent family, and that's their dream. Like Rose Kennedy, her mission statement is, I dedicate my life to raising a family of world leaders. It could be of a social cause, like a person I worked with today from South Africa who's a PhD, who's doing amazing things globally for, for women's rights and things. Mm-hmm. It could be fitness. It could be a, to be in master yoga. I don't know. It could be a great cause in business to solve a big problem or a philanthropic thing socially. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It, it, there's no right and wrong to what it is. But whatever it is, when you actually give yourself permission to be you, the magnificent who you are is far greater than any fantasies you'll ever impose on yourself or inject from other people that you compare yourself to. You're not here to compare yourself to other people. You're here to compare your daily actions to your own dreams. And to give yourself permission to shine, not shrink. And to share what's inside you. Those with a mission have a message and a vision. Take your vision and your message and give yourself permission to let it out. You might get ridiculed. You might even get opposed. But if you stay with it, the very people that do eventually rally around you. And then they'll actually become you know, your supporters. Yeah. I've watched that and proven that in my own life. And I know that that makes a difference. So give yourself permission to shine, not shrink and give yourself permission to be you. Because the greatest you is you. Oh, such gems. I hope that you all rewind this and listen to it multiple times because there is a ton of wisdom and knowledge here. Thank you so much for being here. I will have Dr. Martini's link to his website. There's the value determination process there. Is that the best way you would want people to get a hold of you? Yeah, that's probably just my website. Okay. It, it, it's a learning website. Yeah, it? there's a ton of resources, articles, free videos, courses. I mean, you have what, over 72 courses now. So there's just, there is a wealth of resources. So make sure you check it out. Look at the show notes. 
And until next time, I hope you have a NFA day where you thrive and feel alive.